Hey there, this is Mike and you're listening to Feeling Twisty. I'm really glad you're here. If I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. That's the opening verse to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I've heard that chapter many times, mainly at weddings, as the minister extols the virtues of a loving relationship. I hadn't really thought of that chapter in a while, but after doing episode 174, I Love Myself, and rereading this chapter, I'm seeing it in a whole new light. It's much more than just a guide for a newly married couple. Loving myself. If I'm not madly in love with myself, how can I be that same love to others? How can I love others fully and completely with the love that Paul is talking about in this chapter? And this word love here in Aramaic is, I'm probably pronouncing this wrong, huba, <laughs> huba, huba. And in Greek, it's agape. That word huba in Aramaic literally means to burn with fire. So in this case, a fiery love, a burning love. And the Greek word agape means uh, love feast. <laughs> I like that. I'm talking about a true unconditional love for self and its emanation, its expression, this life I've created. A love of self is a love for others because there are no separate others. The Bible says we are gods and that the gods are one God. We are all one. We are all consciousness expressing individualized separateness, but still one consciousness. So celebrating this agape, this love feast for ourselves is celebrating it for others. Whatever I am being is what I experience in all its forms, and it's reflected in seeming others. In episode 174, I talked about how I learned to really fall in love with myself and how transforming that was. But love of self isn't necessary to manifest things in my life. After listening to that episode, my friend David Breslow asked me how I managed to get out of the wheelchair after years of dealing with permanent brain damage and the movement disorder without the love for myself that I was talking about. Neville says there are infinite states for me to inhabit. I don't need to love myself to express a state of consciousness or to manifest a healing. Paul says the same thing in this chapter. If I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but have never learned to love, then I am nothing. So I could manifest anything I want. But Paul's saying that all of these wonderful manifestations, I can be a manifesting master, but without love, this love feast, this fiery love, it's all really pointless. <laughs> 
Our true nature is love. The Bible says so. Neville and many other teachers have said that over the centuries. God is love. And any, anyone who loves, who expresses this fiery love feast, is born of God, is God. So when we are conscious of the first principle, be still and know I am God, I'm also love because God is love. I've mentioned before how my efforts to change my life, move from the state I was in to what I would call a better state, was more about trying to ignore the old state and force my way into the new one. I held on to so much animosity for my current circumstances, and I tried to avoid them while groping for something better. I hated the states I had created, and I hated the effects of those states. <laughs> and I was trying to move into something better for myself while still holding on to the judgment. Paul goes on to say that love is large and incredibly patient. Love doesn't traffic in shame and disrespect. Love joyfully celebrates honesty. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others or itself. Love never takes failure as a defeat. It never gives up. A real love for myself is patient and doesn't dwell in shame for the life I've manifested so far. And it celebrates honesty instead of trying to ignore what I would call my problems I learned to see them through the lens of love. Here's what I've got. Here's what I've done. Here's what I've manifested so far. But I'm not these manifestations. I'm not my circumstances or the state that I created. I've mentioned this dream before. I won't retell all the details, but in this dream, I was being chased by a, a huge white dog. I was running as fast as I could as the dog got closer and closer to me, snarling at me, until it got to a point when I realized that I just can't outrun this dog. I also realized that it was a dream <laughs> at that point. So I stopped running. And as I stopped, the whole scene froze. Everything stopped. Even the dog froze midair as it was lunging at me. I turned to look at the dog, frozen in the air, baring its teeth at me, ready to bite me. And I knew in that moment that I had caused the whole thing, and there's no point in running from it. My fears of the dog had caused it to give chase. I felt nothing but love for my little creation in that moment. And as I loved it and loved all that I was doing, the scene came back to life, and the dog finished its leap, but it was a leap of love like my dog, Penny, when I come home and she runs up and puts her paws on me and starts to whimper, that happy little whimper, and lick my hands and face. And that's what this dog began to do in my dream. Everything changed in that little scene when I turned to look at it instead of running from it and look at it through love instead of fear and condemnation and guilt and judgment. 
Running from my problems, the effects of my current state of consciousness was like me running in fear from the dog. It wasn't until I stopped running, avoiding or ignoring my present situations and learned to shine the light of my true nature that things became easier for me in this physical world. In those verses I just read you, Paul says, love is a place of shelter. That word for place of shelter literally means a roof. Paul is saying this love is like a roof that covers all things, even the unlovely states I express. If you take the Bible's reference to states of consciousness as rooms in a mansion, you remember when Jesus is quoted as saying that, that I go to prepare a place for you, that in my Father's house are many mansions. Well, these rooms are states of consciousness. Then what's covering all of these states, all of these things that we can express in this life, is love. Love is a thing that's present above every possible state I can inhabit, even the unlovely ones. This love is always here. I think verse 8 in this chapter is my favorite. Love never stops loving. It is always what it is. Love. That's our true nature, even if it doesn't seem like it right now. All the reasons I hated myself ran like, like a, an app, a hidden app running in the background on my phone. And just like those apps drain my phone's battery, this self-hatred wore me out, dulling my imaginative senses. Loving myself with this fiery love feast has no condemnation, and it allows me to move into any state I'd like. I no longer bound my present circumstances or the echoes of my past that I believed made me who I am today. I don't have to continue breathing life into the guilt and shame for my choices or any guilt that I feel about wanting to be something different or better. I've talked with people who feel guilty about wanting to be successful, wanting to be more than what their tradition or their family says they should be, wanting more out of life. They think they should be happy, content with what they have, and they feel like they shouldn't expect or they don't deserve more. There is no guilt in this love I'm talking about. It's complete forgiveness of self and others, completely abandoning the old states and stepping into a new version or state and putting others into lovelier states as well. As you explore your true nature, this love, the shame you might have felt for yourself dissipates and the condemnation and judgment against others falls away too. I'm not saying it all falls away immediately, but explore this, this thing called love. And as you do, you'll start to see these things, the guilt and shame and hatred for yourself and the judgment and condemnation of others it starts to ease and shrink and it does go away. 
not by force, not by you trying to make it go away, but by putting your attention on love. These other things cannot hold up in this love. In verses 9 and 10, Paul says that our present knowledge is fragmented, but with perfect love's arrival, the fragments are one. That's us. We are fragmented, seemingly separate pieces trying to outdo each other, waging war against those other fragments out there who don't believe like we do, or those who were born to love differently, or those who look different. When we believe we are separate, we can't help but fight for survival and see others who are different as an enemy. Anyone who threatens our little belief system is our adversary. But when perfect love is present, those fragments are no longer separate pieces, but one beautiful whole. We use words like love and power and wisdom. Like Paul says that Jesus Christ is actually the power and wisdom of God that is within us. We use terms like that to describe our true nature. We could also use bliss and oneness. I really don't think any of these give us the whole picture, though. It's how we describe the feeling of our true nature. We're trying to convey these feelings and mystical experiences through the filter of our humanity, using the words we have at our disposal. I try to do that here and try to convey to you what I'm feeling and experiencing, but anything I'm talking about is still through my filter, this filter called Mike. <laughs> I wouldn't give any time to any teacher out there that claims to know it all. How could they from this level, no matter how much they've experienced, you're still experiencing it through your own humanity. Paul said the same thing, and he wrote most of the New Testament. In this chapter, he says that right now, trying to understand it all is like looking through a mirror darkly. Now, mirrors back then weren't made like they're made now. They were just polished metal. They didn't reflect nearly as well as our modern mirrors. Like those metal mirrors in public restrooms. Have you seen those? I noticed in rest areas over the last decade or so, those rest areas along the interstate, they've been replacing the normal mirrors with these just pieces of metal. <laughs> and they don't do a very good job of reflecting are giving me a clear picture of what I look like when I've tried to brush my hair in those mirrors or check my nose. <laughs> it's difficult to get a clear picture using that type of polished metal. And that's what Paul is saying here, that trying to understand completely this mystery of who we are is like looking in one of those pieces of metal. And he says it's an enigma. It's a mystery. But he adds that he knows that there will come a time when he will know fully what this is all about. And so will we. He wraps up the chapter by saying that even though we haven't unriddled this mystery, that three things are the most important. Faith, hope, and love. This love feast. And he says, out of those, love is the greatest. 
Sure, we can have the life we want, manifest riches, relationships, anything. But why not do it in love? And you don't have to agree with any of my ideas about who we are. But why not choose to experience this love for yourself and for others? I mentioned David Breslow earlier. He's a good friend of mine and a talented actor as well. We were chatting earlier this week and I mentioned that I was doing this episode and he pointed out a little section in this upcoming book. And I'm going to quote from this new book. David writes, love sets you free. Love is strength. In the end, love is all there is. No reason to battle that. Self-love is important. Love is always a choice. You can love yourself, or you can imagine and assume all sorts of reasons not to. Whatever you believe about God is irrelevant. Loving yourself is a choice. You don't need any other factor to make it your reality. Make it your reality now. Love is boundless and unconditional. And in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. <laughs> I love the Beatles reference there, David. David's also a performance coach for sports and performing arts and life in general. And you can check out his writing in the Vibe Projects group on Facebook as well. We don't have to love, but why not give it a try? Explore what love means to you. I think most of us can be loving or feel compassion for others, but never truly love ourselves. Not with this complete, unconditional love that Paul is talking about in that chapter. If you haven't listened to episode 174, I Love Myself, go back and listen to that one, because this episode is kind of a companion piece to that one. Let yourself just love yourself. Explore what that means. I know what it means to me, but what does love of self mean to you? That's all that matters. I love you. I'm feeling twisty. 